Poor Faulkner. Does he really think that big emotions come from big words? Ernest Hemingway. A new word is like a fresh seed sown in the ground of the discussion. Ludwig Wittgenstein. You're listening to Writing Roots, brought to you by Aspen House Publishing. Welcome to Writing Roots. I'm Lee Hole. And I'm Lee S's. And I am pro-learning new words. I am against learning new words, or I guess the better way to phrase that is I'm against learning new words just so you can use big words in your story. See, as with any tool in your toolbox, you have to learn what the tools are and then you can use them accordingly. Sometimes the big word is the right word. Yeah, sometimes. I mean, I guess Terry Pratchett's pretty good at it, but it leads to picking up a dictionary more often than not. So if you haven't figured out, today's topic is about using big words, learning new words in your story and whether or not it's useful. It's a continuing our series of versus episodes where we debate common things debated in the writing world. As a reminder, Writing Roots has joined with short story anthologies to host a writing contest. We teased on our Facebook page that we would be telling you guys a passcode that will give you a free entry into this writing contest. Entries are normally $10. So listen to the end of this episode for that passcode. When was the last time you learned a new word? I actually learn a new word every day because of a online writing group that I'm part of. They have this thing called Balderdashers, where you have to try to guess this word that they show. And it's always this big, ridiculous word. And I never get it right. Because again, I don't learn big words just to learn big words. Well, then you're not learning big words if you have to pull it up on your phone when you're trying to remember what it was. The word was obstrepuous, I think, (laughs) is how you pronounce it. Obstrepuous. I didn't have to actually look at my phone for this. I remembered this when I learned it the other day. And it was loud and raucous. And I remember hearing it in a book that I was listening to recently and going, what on earth is this word and how, what, why? You couldn't figure it out by context. It seems like that would be a fairly simple one to contextualize. I mean, I kind of did. The context was the group was being obstreperous and that was it. They didn't go into further detail. And I'm like, hey, I think I know what this means, but I learned the full definition when it came up in my balderdashers group. The word I learned relatively recently when I was putting notes together for this anyway, is actually kind of similar in that it's a sound kind of word. And that was mellifluous, which means basically melodic in sound, even if it's not musical necessarily. In this case, I learned it from a book I was reading. The window was down slightly as he was cruising on the highway. And he had this pitch that he liked coming from the window. And it was sort of a soothing tone for him. It was mellifluous. It was a great word, and it was exactly the kind of word the character would think in that moment. Do you know what kind of word mellifluous sounds like to me? A superfluous one? (laughs) So why do you think learning and using big words is good? It's not so much the length of the word and the number of syllables someone has to chew through, but the rarer words are often the right word for the job. There are a lot of times when I want to convey a very specific flavor of emotion and I don't want to go through an entire paragraph to explain exactly what the feeling is like 
or even an entire sentence to try to set up a metaphor for that. Having the right word for the job is a great tool in that regard. I cannot assume my audience is going to be ignorant and that they won't know the word. They're going to have to look it up. If I make those assumptions about my audience, one, I'm not writing selfishly, and two, they are not going to appreciate it. My biggest problem with this is that a lot of new writers aren't looking for the right word. They are looking for a word that sounds sophisticated to put in that place. And that leads to misinterpretations, the wrong kind of things. People using travesty instead of tragedy, those are two entirely different things. Then I would say they don't actually know the word they're using. I want everyone to learn as many words as possible so they have as many arrows in their quiver when they are starting to put scenes on the page. And if they're learning the new words and learning their different connotations and how they're supposed to be used in the idiosyncrasies of each different word that may technically mean the same thing but convey something different, then that's fine. But a lot of people just learn new words, new big words, just to use them, whether they're the right word or not. And it's not good. If there's no context behind how they're learning the new word, then I would say they're learning the new word incorrectly. If you're just reading the dictionary just to collect words, you aren't learning how they're used and all of the implications and all of the weight behind the word, which is exactly why you would want to use the word in the first place. Yeah, you don't go to a thesaurus for this kind of thing. And that's that is my problem. That is why I'm against learning new words just to use them in a story is because too many people do it the wrong way. They don't understand that the best books are those that are simply written. Like Ernest Hemingway said, big emotions don't always come from big words. Sometimes the simple things can do it. And no one wants to have to refer to a dictionary because the author decided to be sesquipedalian. But exactly like you said that, we can understand what the word means without having to look it up. Yes, we can look it up and learn more about it, but context is helpful in continuing the story without needing to pick up a dictionary. When I first learned the word bereft, it was from Lord of the Rings. One of the characters was saying, a household long bereft of lordship or something like that. There is no nobility left in this household. And that was part of his argument of why he should actually be in charge. That moment held a lot of weight because bereft is exactly the right word there. If you have a steward who is pretending to be king going a household long lacking in lordship, there's no grandeur in that moment. Using word choice so all of your characters don't sound exactly the same is an incredibly helpful tool when painting your story. Yes, but sometimes it also feels like the author is just showing off his vocabulary to show off his vocabulary. That's what an editor is for. An editor should check that and go, nope, you're taking me out of this story with this word. Because you're trying to be pompous. Yes, but pompous is a great word. If I were to describe Gildor Lockhart, absolutely pompous. It's the right word for the scenario. <sighs> Do you concede? No. I concede in some ways. Yes, 
Having the right words at your disposal is vital. It is very important and it can really help make the difference between good writing and great writing. But don't do it just to do it. Don't do it just to sound educated. Don't do it just to sound like Tolkien or any of these other authors. You can write a perfectly good and enjoyable story without having to go to a thesaurus to find the right word. In my experience... Most of the time when I'm using the right word, a slightly more complex or rarer word, it's to replace several words. It's not just to replace a one-for-one kind of thing. To completely water it down, often dialogue tags, adverbs, the right word is in there. Instead of saying, he said quickly, he snapped. You can communicate a lot more with the one word than you can with the two words. And if you're doing it that way, that's perfect. That is the good way to use new and different words. So you concede. Sometimes, if you're doing it right. Just like all the other topics that we're going to be talking about this month, both of us can see the other side. And I do agree that learning new words can be very good. Expanding your vocabulary can be very helpful in your writing. But don't do it just to do it. Don't use enormous sibling when you could just say big brother, unless you're that comic strange planet, and then it's perfectly fine. In talking with a lot of readers, a lot of them really enjoy learning new words. If they aren't learning a new word in whatever it is that they're reading, they can often feel unchallenged and sometimes uninterested because it feels below their level. And I get that. I don't want my books to be too simple, but I don't want to feel like my author is just trying to show off. One of the authors I think that balances this really well is actually Terry Pratchett. He's known for using big words, but he does it in a unique way that makes it very intentional. In the end, whichever of us you agree with, I would encourage you, listener, to never stop learning to broaden your horizons in your craft, which includes learning new words, maybe not always using them, but continuing to become a better version of yourself and loading those arrows into your quiver so you know which ones to use when and which ones not to use. And that's the thing. If you don't know the words, you can't use them. So it is good to learn. Because yes, in your first draft, it is really easy to use the wrong words because it's it's hard all the time. I run into this every day, and I've done it about five times during this episode, trying to come up with the right word for what I'm saying because my brain doesn't work at that time. So learn new words, explore so that you can write whatever you want in the first draft. And then when you go back and edit it, you can put in those right words that convey the idea that you need succinctly. In the end, though, pick what works for you. Whether it is using these big words or not, whether it's learning new words and applying them or just learning them for fun, you can't go wrong if you write selfishly. If you have a question or comment for our hosts or a topic you'd like us to cover, send us an email at writingroots at aspenhousepublishing.com or find us on Facebook by searching for Aspen House Publishing. Thank you for listening to Writing Roots. That Pasco that we were talking about at the beginning for the Escape to Reality short story contest, this is your passcode. Spoonerism. Yes, that is a real word. 
I have spoonerisms all the time. It is mixing up syllables, mixing up words in a sentence. So if you want a free entry into the contest, email spoonerism to our email. We will email you back a free code so you can get your story in the contest.